Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May 10th, 2023. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Simonetti. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Uh, of course, you all know this. We are recording on Tuesday tonight, Fact. Tuesday night. I am heading to the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts to see the non-equity national tour of My Fair Lady. Oh, the last nice. time I saw a national tour of My Fair Lady was in... Hit me with the gosh, stats. That? It must have been... Um, 1993, fall of 1993, October 1993. Oh, okay. It was the pre-Broadway tour of uh, the production led by um, uh, Melissa Errico and Richard Chamberlain. Ooh, and that is often, as I've talked about before, the the moment that I kind of fully became a theater oh, lover. Cute, yeah. So that's fair. I've that's seen- that's a that's a good show and a good cast to become a theater obsessed with yes absolutely and so um i've seen multiple many productions of my fair lady including the broadway revival most recent broadway revival this is based off of twice with laura ambrose and laura benanti but i haven't seen it on tour so i'm excited about this that's very exciting um, even though i didn't love this production yeah i didn't love this production on broadway but i'm looking forward to it yeah nonetheless yeah it's fine it's a it's a solid i can uh can never complain about that Never. Absolutely not. But um, so I will talk about that when uh, probably I guess that would be Thursday's uh, episode uh, when we record on Wednesday. But um, also in the podcast feed on Tuesday afternoon in Patreon and then Tuesday night in our regular feed, I had an interview episode with two stars of the world premiere off-Broadway show The Fears, which is currently running at the Signature Center. It's not a signature production, uh, but it's running out one of their spaces. The stars are Carrie Bechet and Carl Hendrick Lewis. Uh, The show sounds fascinating, and if it tells Mm -hmm. you anything, the producer of the show is Steven Soderbergh, who's like... Major Hollywood film producer. (laughs) Yes. So he's um, dipping his foot into some theater, which tells you that there must be something pretty exciting about this show. So we talk all about that. So check that out. Of course, if you want to hear all of our episodes before you can hear them anywhere else, head over to patreon.com slash broadwayradio or broadwayradio.com slash patreon. All right. Let's start off with some award news. Tis the season, as they say. Mm -hmm. And on... Uh, I think this was Monday. It must have come out after you you and Grace yes, recorded Tuesday's yeah. episode. Assuming we're talking um, about the same things. I think I got the press release about 30 minutes after we stopped recording. Yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. But on Monday evening, the New York Drama Critics Circle announced their award winners for the 2022-2023 season. And if you're unfamiliar with them, they do things a little differently. They do this kind of like tiered voting, and they don't actually have to give – an award in every category if they don't yeah. want to. Um, they, it was a couple years ago, uh, we had Adam Feldman on, who is the, uh, kind of the chair of, of the organization. They did not give a musical award that year. They did not give an award for a musical this year yeah. either. However, there was one musical that was recognized. We will get to, uh, on that, but. They did give out two main competitive awards, Best Play and Best Foreign Play. Best Play went to Bruce Norris's Downstate, which ran last fall off-Broadway from Playwrights Horizons. We'll talk about them more here in a little bit. Had a very well-received run and one that got a lot of people's uh, dander ruffled. Is that 
Sure, that's, Ryles, that's, sure, that's the phrase, I think. That's the phrase. Yeah, something like that. Um, but got a lot of people interested in seeing a lot of people praise that show. Yeah. And then the best foreign play was Tom, Tom Stoppard's Leopoldstadt. And uh, that one, of course, is currently running on Broadway and has been for a while. It originated over in uh, in the UK. The other awards that they decided to give out, which again are non-competitive, they just decided to give off um, special citations, there were three. The first was to the long-standing off-off-Broadway theater company La Mama. The second was to playwright Adrian Kennedy, who made her Broadway debut um, with the Ohio State Murders at the age of 91. And the third citation went to the Broadway revival of Parade. Since it's not a new show, it wasn't eligible right. in the musical category, but this production they wanted to recognize specifically. All of these awards will be officially presented at a ceremony on May 23rd. Ashley, what do you what do you think about these ones? Um, did you get a chance right. to see Downstate? I don't remember. I think Downstate was the last show I saw of last year. Um, snuck in just under the buzzer. I loved it. I thought it was phenomenal. It is incredibly difficult. It um, deserves all the conversation that it had. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people have had the conversation of whether this was the right way to tell this story or not. Um, which, you know, your mileage may vary based on how you feel and how close you are to the material and the issues at hand. But I, I thought it was really well done. I thought it was really a really excellent piece of theater. Um, and, and I've spoken about how much I love Leopoldstadt as well. Just a great, great play. Very well deserving. Awesome. Well, congratulations to all of them, but that is not the only award that we have to talk about because on Tuesday, the Theater World Awards announced the recipient of the 10th annual John Willis Award for Lifetime Achievement in the Theater, and it goes to the great and the good Brian Stokes Mitchell. Uh, we already know they've already announced all of the recipients of the Theater World Awards. They also announced the 14th annual Dorothy Loudon Award for Excellence in, the, uh, Excellence in the Theater. That'll go to Julie Benko and the TWA Special Award honorees Marilyn Casatera for Outstanding Swing and Dale Badway for outstanding contribution to the theater world. Um, anytime Stokes gets an award is no truly <laughs> worthy. Not and enough. Yes, absolutely. But when you look at the other people that have received this award, again, this is the 10th annual. The people who have received this award are Harvey Firestein, Andre DeShields, Patti Lapone, Nathan Lane, Victor Garber, Glenn Close, Bernadette Peters, Cheetah Rivera, Christopher Plummer, and Alan Alda. I think that not a bad Stokes, list. No, Stokes deserves to be amongst uh, amongst those of folks. Of course, yeah. And all of the Theater World Awards. This is the seventy seventh annual Theater World Awards. They will be presented on Monday, June fifth, at Circle on the Square Theater in a kind of private esque uh, ceremony. That'll be hosted by none other than Broadway Radio's own Peter Felicia. So uh, congratulations to Stokes and everybody who won a Drama Critics Circle Award. Somehow for as many awards as Brian Stokes Mitchell wins, it doesn't seem like enough. <laughs> like, he's just that no. great. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's get in a little bit into some businessy type things. Um, on, I guess, Monday night and Tuesday morning, Actors Equity Association started ramping up its support for the WGA strike. They sent out some tweets that were encouraging people not only to just 
generally stand in solidarity with the Writers Guild of America, but also to actively join them in picketing uh, a, f- a few of the major studios offices in Manhattan. They sent out a tweet uh, on Tuesday morning that said, quote, New York members and allies join us on Wednesday, May 10th from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time on the hashtag WGA strike picket line at the HBO and Amazon offices in Manhattan's Hudson Yards uh, neighborhood. Join equity in standing with the WGA on strike. Now, this is not a surprise by any means that Ooh, one entertainment union would be supporting another one. Um, I am a little interested to see what this will mean for the Tony Awards if and when this oh, yeah. this strike is not handled and, and settled by June 11th. I, most of the, the onlookers and analysts that are kind of breaking this down don't expect the, the strike to end by June 11th. It, yeah. it could, and nobody really could. knows, but there are so many different factors weighing in here, including upcoming negotiations with multiple other organizations, including uh, like IATSE and some Teamsters and the directors yeah. that are going to be built into that, that it's very likely that this strike goes on into like July and, the egos and maybe of people later. Who shouldn't be in charge, but alas are, yeah. Yeah. So um, we saw over the weekend that the MTV Movie and TV Awards decided to go with a somewhat different uh, type of ceremony. They still had some pre-taped things, but didn't do a live ceremony. So mainly because Drew Barrymore backed out uh, as the host because she didn't want to cross the picket line. with. uh, Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think this, this is a surprise in any way, but it it does lead a little bit more to the conversation of, do we have a backup plan for the (laughs) Tonys? And historically, at least over the last few years of Tony planning, I would be very surprised if they have a backup, if I'm going to be honest. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the backup plan is. Do we postpone it? I mean, CBS probably certainly doesn't want to postpone it. Yeah, Do I don't we have- know how far, you know, like how close to a broadcast date they actually have that opportunity still, of course, because of course things have to be built right. in, things have to be paid for, and the Ads. venue has to be paid for. So yeah. hard to tell. I imagine if they do have to, keep the dates and the strike hasn't ended yet um it will probably just be a very toned down ceremony as well might not be much writing at all and just a lot of presentation yeah maybe we do i mean i don't even even know how you give out the awards without having writers do it do you just say hey here's the winner's ad lib on your own will will actors yeah (laughs) will they be willing to do that will it just be something like we saw a couple years ago mid pandemic where it's just a bunch of performances and maybe people get up and talk about their own shows i i don't i don't know what that will look like but uh i'm nervous we're gonna uh, find out yeah yeah, because i would like this to be something that is fairly smooth well, anyway, guess moving what? on. It never is. Yeah. No, it is not. No, it is not. Uh, anyway, so uh, according to the Broadway Journal's Philip Boroff, the uh, he's got a great write up about the fact that New York State has extended the New York City musical and theatrical production credit. It is a subsidy that was originally designed to help commercial theater in New York City get back on its feet following all of the shutdowns related to the COVID nineteen pandemic. This subsidy has not only been extended by an additional two years, now being able to run through 2025, it also 
now applies to commercial off-Broadway shows. However, they will get a smaller tax credit than, than Broadway productions. Broadways can make up to, can get a subsidy of up to $3 million per show. And that is up um, in total, that brings the total budget of this, uh, this program up from 200 million to 300 million. And as Philip breaks down in his article, a lot of shows are building this into its presentations to potential investors. Parade did this and they showed how they could start to make a profit on the show much quicker because of this subsidy. Ah, nice. They could, yeah, they could bring down effectively what the capitalization is. Um, from like seven million to one to five point seven million. Gray House is saying that it would take normally without this subsidy thirty weeks of an average gross box office of eight hundred eighty-five thousand dollars to recoup. However, when applying two point seven five million dollars in tax credit, they could actually do it in seventeen weeks instead. So this is a huge opportunity to make shows a little bit more uh, palatable to investors. I don't know if yeah. that necessarily means. If that's a good thing or not, I don't know if that necessarily means that they would be willing to take more risks on more artistically viable shows or that's if they will just the say thing. Yeah. yeah. Is it just like, oh, this jukebox musical is going to be cheaper and less of a risk, so I might as well, you know, put more money into that. Again, yeah. no shade to jukebox musicals, you no, know how no, excited no, no. I am for once upon a one more time. But I also love the fact that, you know, things like um either Kimberly Akimbo or or Olympica or or things like that that you know might be a little bit more of a different difficult sell in years past could have the opportunity to uh have a little bit more more money coming Definitely. into them because of credits like this. That's the thing it's very hard to tell on paper that seems like an obvious thing of we we have a bit more money to play around with that way where we can take some risks on people and productions that might not otherwise make it through the pipeline this quickly. Um, however, <laughs> we're in the middle of a financial crisis, to say the least, as well as, you know, oh, still coming back from the pandemic. Um, people may not be willing to take those kinds of risks. So the safest bet seems to be jukebox musicals it seems to be properties um based on ip that already exist so it's hard to tell at this point if that means we're gonna end up with an even more kind of saturated market that way or if we're gonna end up seeing more original more unique things that's kind of just the question all always every season though to be honest yeah i'm, I'm excited to see what the artistic side of something like this is uh obviously yeah. we don't necessarily know how it's going to work out um you know in terms of the money we, we know the details of what that's going to look like but i'm interested to see what yeah. the long-term ramifications are on the art um we are going to talk actually about tax credits a again later on in the show oh, thank just God. very briefly yeah i know it's your favorite thing to talk yeah, about but i love talking about financials Great, because the next thing we're going to talk about is last week's Broadway grosses. I knew it was uh, coming. I was going to say finances and grosses, but they're one and the same. And I love them so, so much. All right. We came in with uh, 34 overall shows on Broadway last week that came in at $30,153,133 overall, with a total attendance of 258,721 butts in seats. Everything was pretty much uh, down overall, as I, as I said, it with the with the decline. But for the first time in a really long time, no show grossed more than two million dollars. The Lion King was in first place at one million nine hundred eighty-one thousand one hundred and fifty dollars. Sweeney Todd was very close behind, again 
only doing seven it. shows uh, with one million eight hundred twenty-six thousand three hundred seventy-four bucks. That is by far doing the best business per performance. Hamilton came in third at one point eight million. MJ was in fourth at one point six five, and Wicked was at one point five. The rest of the shows north of seven figures in descending order are Funny Girl, Moulin Rouge, Aladdin, Cursed Child, New York, New York Parade, and Anne Juliet. Both Prima Facie and A Beautiful Noise are pretty close behind uh, in the ninety or nine hundred seventy thousand dollar range. Down at the other end of the scale, we have the Thanksgiving play still below two hundred thousand dollars. It actually dropped twenty thousand to come in at one hundred ninety nine thousand one hundred fifty one bucks. Second place, though, we often see these plays from commercial houses, especially in the Helen Hayes Theater, which is you know, barely any seats compared to some like literally a oh, yeah. quarter of the seats of some of these larger theaters. So it's, we expect shows at the Hayes to do that. But in second place, Bad Cinderella, it was down $188,678 yeah. to come in at th- just 326,303 bucks. It had the lowest average ticket price on Broadway last week at $54 and 33 cents. So far, two shows that didn't get any Tony nominations either. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Fat Ham was next. Uh, that was at 349,000. Gray House still in previews and only did seven shows. 357,000. And then the sign in Sydney Brewstein's window, very surprisingly to me, is only at $411,000. I wonder how much of that is twofold. Didn't have much time to do advertising ahead of, uh, uh, you know, ahead of time to get people ready with marketing. True. And two, would the audience for that show have already seen it at BAM? So I, I'm not That's sure very what's that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Kimberly Akimbo was next on the list at 412,000. Didn't have a noticeable ju- bump in the first few days from all of the Tony nominations. Again, those things usually take a little bit of time. It's not going to be something that's instantaneous. We hopefully will see that over the next few weeks for shows like that. But nonetheless, an interesting uh, set of numbers this week. All right, um, I'm going to run through, we're running a, a little bit long, but I wanted to mention that Playwrights Horizons has said it's 2023-2024 season, and there are some very exciting things uh, included in that. We will have the complete list of shows in the show notes if you want to check that out. But the biggest name of all of these is the new musical written by Anna K. Jacobs and Pulitzer Prize and Tony winner Michael R. Jackson. It is called Teeth. It is being directed by Sarah Benson and choreographed by Raja Feather Kelly, who has worked on, you know, most of Michael R. Jackson's shows. That'll start previews in February of 2024. If you want more information about this and all of the shows, head over to the show notes and you can check it out there. Also coming up here later this month on May 27th, the off-Broadway show Stranger Sings, the parody musical, will be offering a live virtual stream of the show via Stellar Live. Uh, tickets start at 20 bucks. We have all the information on it. You can check that out if you want to see that show before it closes down off-Broadway. And the last little bit of news that I want to mention that I said we'll talk about tax incentives, something that was very exciting for me and for a lot of people around the country the Kelly Clarkson show has announced that it is moving from Los yes. Angeles to New York. It is normally filmed on the Universal lot, literally across a little alleyway from where Kelly films The Voice, a show that I watch every episode of. She's now going to film at 30 Rock, and this has to do with 
New York tax credits, uh, the New York's film uh, film tax credit that was signed into law along with those theater tax credits that we yep. talked about. Um not necessarily theater related, obviously, but this has a multi-pronged in terms of my, my interest. One, I think this means we're going to have a lot more Broadway people on the Kelly Clarkson show. Yeah. She's had Broadway folks there, but also opens her up to be in a Broadway show. I was going to say, and saying, the reverse, I hope, of Kelly yes. Clarkson on Broadway as soon as possible, please. We need her. She is, I, she's so good. I mean, just a delight. Uh, I mean, I don't care what you put her in. New show, jukebox musical, whatever. Um, she's very close. Used to be an in-law of Reba McIntyre. Complicated story. Lots of drama. Yes, lots of lawsuits. Find that out. <laughs> uh, but she's still very close with Reba McIntyre. Reba McIntyre was one of the the mentors on The Voice this year. Yeah, they're both Reba, survivors. Yeah. Uh, let's get them both in a show. Reba yes! needs to be back on Broadway. Oh, let's get them in a show together. Absolutely, I don't please, care what it is. Thank you. Yeah, just absolutely uh, adore Kelly Clarkson. She is the best, not only vocally, which, duh, but, like, just a human being. She's great. She's delightful. So, big fan. This is going to be worked into, like, every trip from now on when she comes here, right? That's literally what I said on Twitter. I was like, this will now be part of my planning is to make sure that I can get tickets to see an, uh, a go. taping of you the Kelly Clarkson m- You show. have morning plans now. Your afternoon Absolutely. matinees, evenings, yep. 54 below night shows. Now you got yep. mornings at the K- Kelly Clarkson show. I will live there. I will live there. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's wrap up the show with a feel-good recommendation. Uh, I've mentioned this before, but coming up later this month, um, uh, on uh, actually later this week, actually May 12th. It's already May 12th. That's crazy. On Friday. Hideous. PBS's Great Performances will premiere their concert celebrating 50 years of Broadway's best. It'll be hosted by Sutton Foster and just has an unbelievable number of stars in it. I have watched it. It is fantastic. I got a nice little press screener. It features folks like Corbin Blue, Donna McKechnie, Robin Herger, Andrea Shields, Sarah Bareilles, Cheetah Rivera, Shoshana Bean, Raul Esparza, James Monroe, Eigelhart, Lettucey, Norm nice. Lewis, Patina Miller, Brian Stokes Mitchell, Jesse Mueller, Mamie Paris, Soleil Pfeiffer, Britton Smith, Jessica Vosk, and Vanessa Williams. I've heard of not all to of mention those people. That's wild. Yes, not to mention Max Clayton. Everybody's favorite Max Clayton is in the dance ensemble for the love. show. Um, so you love that. Um, but they released a video of Rob McClure doing a kind of a mashup tribute to all of the songs uh, or all of the shows that ran on Broadway from 2023 to t- or 2020 to 2023. Um, it's a lot of fun. Lots of little winky references to shows. That's Rob what they're going to play winning. in uh, at the start of the Tonys if there's no writers. <laughs> Could be. Strike resolution. Could be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Rob's a little winded at the end of this song. I, I have to say, not the best vocal. He's not on Broadway right now. Yeah, understandably. Yeah, he's a little, little, little winded, a little tired at the end of that number. But it's a lot of fun. So recommend you check that out. There are some great, great performances. Um, I, I, it was, it's really worth watching. They kind of go through a century of Broadway, and uh, it, it was magical. So Let definitely want to check be that winded out. On television, he's fine. No, no he was Broadway. great. He was very entertaining. <laughs> I mean, it was. I just wanted to warn people team, at the end. Team winded and sweaty over here. Fair enough. Can't argue with that. <laughs> all right, everybody. That's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me winded and sweaty at Instagram at Know This is Ashley. <laughs> all right, everybody. Have a wonderful Wednesday, and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>